0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel. And guys, what an eventful day yesterday on a heater. <laughs> <Look at laughs> that. Said. And on a heater indeed, as three commits happened yesterday. And Bobby, I'm going to let you start. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And, Blake, I appreciate it. I've got my party hat on today because of yesterday. Um, look, uh, Longhorns uh, just absolutely demolishing the recruiting trail right now. Uh, three commitments yesterday, all in different categories. We had a portal transfer in Andrew Makuba. We had a, a five-star safety in the high school ranks. It's a 2024 prospect that enters school here in less than two or three weeks, actually. Uh, And then the last piece of it that's interesting, we had a 2025 tight end commit yesterday. Uh, Emory Winston out of uh, Calhoun, Georgia. Um, And so to say that Texas is on a heater, uh, yes, the avalanche is going down the hill. Uh, That is is what's happening right now. And it's happening on all levels. I talked to some folks uh, this morning uh, inside the building. Everybody at Texas right now has absolute, they are, they're excited about the direction of the program, focused a lot on the game coming up, obviously. Uh, but recruiting is a piece of the puzzle here at Texas. And uh, I, look, uh, they are excited, uh, to say the least right now, about the way recruiting is going, uh, about what they're, they, they're working on right now. Of course, uh, they got a huge game coming up with Washington. But uh, CJ, uh, Makuba, Phil Simi, uh Winston, and then I'm going to add this note right here at the outset. I talked with, or I texted with Trey Moore's uh, agent uh, this morning. The answer was, hopefully today we'll see. So Trey Moore, the edge prospect out of um, UTSA with 14 and a half sacks, 17 tackles for loss last year, uh, expected to make a decision today. Texas and Alabama going head to head for him. There's more recruiting news we'll break down over the time here, but, uh, Out of the gate, CJ, what did you think of yesterday? Because you and I were texting and talking off screen a bunch yesterday. Uh, What did you think, buddy?
2: No, I mean, to talk about all the fireworks and excitement that's gone on this week, I mean, to think there could be even more today, very exciting. And I I think, you know, for for one, you know, this week for a lot of coaching staffs across the country is a, a very stressful time. You know, you're trying to hold on to your guys. You're trying to hold on to your class and make sure that pen meets paper. For Texas, I mean, it's anything but stressful right now. And I think that's very encouraging when you consider what's the bigger picture right now, uh moving forward towards the end of the month and into 2024. You know, there's a lot to play for, and you know, that staff is really looking forward to knocking out everything they can currently, right now this week and putting all attention towards uh Washington in the semifinals. So all in all, you cannot be you know upset at all about what happened yesterday, obviously there are a few names that we're continuing to monitor and, you know, Bobby, like you said, that little note about what possibly could come today as well, big news for Texas and you got to be excited. Yeah. I I just think that
1: they're on such a roll, Blake and and CJ, that it's kind of, it's kind of pinch me time. You know, I mean, look, I've been doing this for a long time and you just don't see this stuff. I want to mention this. Um, I, I, I read the comments on our videos, by the way, not, not just during the, the, uh, the videos we do themselves, but actually post videos. So if y'all post comments, I'll go in and read those. And somebody compared this today and I wanted to bring it up. They compared it to Texas barbecue. How Sarks built this low and slow. But in the end, it ends up pretty pretty dang good. You know what I mean? So five and five and seven, eight and five kind of a slow burn. Right. To now 12 and one. And as Krishan, there's a trifecta on Monday. It's kind of just built and built and built. And now it's something a little bit special, you know, and look, I, we, we talk about it, et cetera. But the, there's that news. I also have some other news for you guys uh, that I've been working on. Uh, Aaron Hampton, young man out of Dangerfield, Texas. There's some concern uh, that Texas, now that they took uh, uh, Xavier Phil uh and Andrew Makuba, that uh, he is not going to that he is not going to be a, a part of this recruiting class or that Texas may not have room for him. I was told unequivocally this morning that's not the case. The, the math there doesn't add up. Texas is losing three uh, portal safeties as it is plus graduating probably two. So don't don't look at it that way. And then there's also the possibility I was reminded that that uh, Hampton plays offense. He's being recruited as a athlete at Texas, so don't uh, don't uh, think that's uh, don't think twice about that. Uh, he is definitely part of uh, the uh, plans for the University of Texas uh, and and their recruiting situation. Uh, we're also waiting on Ty Anthony Smith, guys, uh, out of uh, uh, Jasper, the linebacker. Uh, CJ, you have anything this morning you want to go over with folks uh, before we get going into
2: taking questions, talking a little bit more more ball here with the with everybody. Yeah, Ty Anthony Smith, I, I guess, is the number one 2024 guy. Texas fans are still, you know, keeping close eye on, and for good reason. You know, uh, the the visit went very well with Ty Anthony Smith coming down to Texas. The the current Texas A&M pledge, you know, what's going on at Texas A&M over the last month or two, you know, really has things, you know, in question right now for the future. Should the Aggies uh, hold on to that pick? Which, at the moment, I'm feeling is unlikely. I do think that Texas is in that position to make the flip. I do think that in the next 48 hours, we'll see some sort of movement. And I think, you know, if you're able to pull off a last-minute flip from your in-state rivals right as you're about to walk into their house in the SEC, you know, that's going to that, that's gonna go a long way. And uh, good news for Texas is already momentum is on their side. There's a lot to play for at the end of the month. As I've mentioned, it's a perfect storm here. I
0: think it's just a matter of
2: uh, when and not if.
0: Hey, CJ, real quick, we got while we're talking about Ty Anthony Smith, I want to bring up two quick questions for you. Britt Rasko says, CJ, do you know who hosted Ty Anthony when he visited? And then Mike, I'm going to add on to that. Mike Gosnell says, what do you think the confidence level is with him?
2: I have not heard specifically which players hosted Ty Anthony. I know that he's close to a, a good number of players from that, that Houston area. And so uh, my best guess is, you know, there's some sort of uh, – conglomerate rather than a single guy like we saw with day and, uh, you know, Andrew Makuba this weekend. So a, a, a full, you know, Houston effort right there for Ty Anthony. And, you know, again, I, I feel very strongly about where Texas is making that late push for him.
0: There you go. All right. Thank you, CJ. Okay, guys. We I want to bring I want to circle back around to Andrew Makuba for a, for just a second here. We got a couple of tweets that I want to bring to y'all's attention. This first one from Matt Miller. He says, "This is a massive get for Texas. I know of NFL scouts who had a top 100 grade on Makuba. He's one of the 10 best players to hit the portal, in my opinion." But then I also want to bring your attention to this one, and it's from PFF, the stat gurus. And uh, they said this season, 344 coverage stat- snaps, zero touchdowns allowed. So when you go back to Miller's uh, comment here, what do you, I mean? what's y'all's first thoughts?
2: Listen, I love Matt Miller. I think he does a great job evaluating, uh, you know, NFL prospects. His hit rate is pretty good, and that's why he's been doing this for a, a very long time. You know, he's a respected guy in the draft community. It is en- encouraging that Texas is replacing NFL talent with more sought out NFL talent. And, you know, that normally takes some time whenever you consider most of the time uh, recruits and that the next era of defensive prospects comes from the NFL or comes from the high school ranks. You normally have to wait for that uh, that that progress and that development to fully show up on the field. Right now, Texas is skipping that step and they're going out and they're adding a guy who's already on draft boards as we have. we as You know, as Matt's uh, comment mentioned, that top 100 rating is a day three grade. And it's very rare that you see a guy not necessarily just jump at that opportunity to start his NFL career right away. Coming home, being able to play into possibly a first round caliber player next year in the SEC is something exactly what Texas is needing right now. And they're going to get it next year uh, once jade Barron departs.
0: No doubt it was a huge pickup for Texas. And then, guys, the other thing uh, that I wanted to bring up here, and let me put it up here on the screen, is this news from Steve Wilfong of 24-7 Sports about five-star Dominic McKinley. He says, I think it's possible that five-star defensive lineman Dominic McKinley, the number 31 overall prospect, signs on Wednesday. I don't think it will be with texas a i A&M. I'm keeping an eye on Texas. And LSU currently has an official scheduled for mid-January. Um,
1: so, look, Texas is definitely involved here. I did some checking on this myself, uh, but he is not expected to sign with anybody on Wednesday. Uh, Texas was going to be in home with him with Steve Sarkeesian on this past Friday. Texas elected to hold that official or that home visit from Sarkeesian until January strategically. So. While A&M may be fading with him, which I do believe they are fading with him, even though he remains committed to them. uh, LSU and Texas are trending. Other schools are trying to get back in uh, to the uh, to the group as well. Look, I don't think I don't think Texas expects him to sign on Wednesday. Would they take that signature? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's part of the game. Uh, But I don't think Texas expects that. Uh, Don McKinley is saying something separate. Uh, as well, so are his. Uh, it, so is his mom, uh, obviously. So I would not take that uh, as a definite that he's going to do it. But I think from Wilt Fong, who is uh, he knows, who's clearly followed Mike Elko throughout his career and broke broken news around whatever Mike Elko says. It's just like him putting in the, the crystal ball last week for Ty Anthony Smith to flip to Texas. Okay, yeah,
2: Bobby, real quick. Yep. I just wanted to chime in that defensive line spot that we're kind of talking about with Alex Foster, Dominic McKinley, uh, DAlen Evans, even it, it will be fil- filled, you know, in that second signing day period. Obviously Alex Foster mentioned earlier this week to me that he is not going to be signing uh, Wednesday either. So something to monitor and something that, you know, might not be uh, of the utmost importance at the moment as we finish this 2024 first signing day.
1: All right, hey, look guys. at this tweet
2: right here, guys.
1: Morning from Wind Parish, sitting in the deer stand with the boys in my ear.
2: <laughs> That's great. We I had, a, we sure had
0: another stuff. check in. Yeah. <laughs> we had another check in too earlier this morning from somebody in the deer stand. So <laughs> those guys are getting it this morning. Obviously, they've been up a while. <laughs> it's safe to say oh man all right well plenty of time to get your questions in so please do so by the way we have bob shipley coming on here in probably just a few minutes i imagine bobby uh he'll be joining us after coming on a couple times last week great guest as always so looking forward to that but please get your questions in and then hit that like and subscribe button we would definitely appreciate that as well guys we have a uh, super chat here from south end zone queen and uh, thank you, South End Zone Queen. I see lots of cryptic tweets from Milwe and Cyril's last night. Who are the most likely commits out of Trey Moore, Solomon Williams, Ty Anthony Smith, and then Dominic McKinley? Obviously, oh, Bobby touched on McKinley. Oh, here's what's happening with Solomon Williams. Because uh, this is, we
1: haven't had time to talk about him, CJ. Um, Texas is going to go after either Trey Moore or Solomon Williams. Okay. They're not going to take two. And they it looks like they've decided they want Trey Moore. And so Solomon Williams is the, the odd man out there. Now, he's probably going to end up at AM. and And Solomon Williams is a really good football player. But you can't take them all. Okay. Who are the other two that they asked about? But I, I wanted to clear that up for folks that, that have been asking because I know we haven't talked about Williams. Okay. Millie and Searles, I believe we're talking about either Moore or Smith, not McKinley based on my personal intel that I received as early as this morning. Um, I want to read y'all a tweet on Moore just to give just to reiterate um, uh, something real quick uh, on uh, Moore. And I got this this morning. Uh, I asked when Trey Moore was going to uh, make a decision. This is from his marketing agent says, hopefully today I will keep you posted. Hopefully today I will keep you posted. So I think that that could have already happened behind the scenes. Perhaps that's what they were talking about. It could have been Ty Anthony Smith. Um, it could have been a lot of different things, but, and that's, that's part of the original tweet with Steve Sarkeesian, right. With the on, on a heater, right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that all ties in, right guys. I mean, it, it, it's uh you don't know which angle the longhorns are coming from right now. I will say that difference between Trey Moore and Solomon Williams though, uh, y'all need to understand that's, that's the kind of give and take that happens in recruiting.
0: Thanks. All right, guys. Uh, while we're on the subject of Trey Moore, let's take this question from Jason Trimble. He says, who's Trey Moore going to take snaps away from? Um, I don't know. Uh,
1: and that's that's the question. Do they have four edges right now um, without Trey Moore? Um, so you have Baron Sorrell next year. You have Ethan Burke. You have Justice Finkley, Jamon Tapp, possibly. Colton Voshek. Um Outside of that, the only one left would be Colin Simmons, Zena Umeozulu, uh, those guys. I don't know that he takes snaps away as much as what we talked about. CJ, I see you shaking your head. They want reps split. They want high energy for 30 reps from all their guys as opposed to mid-level energy on 60. You know, And I know that yeah. that's not the case. But everybody's – people don't realize this. Everybody's not Casey Hampton that can play 100 plays – at 100 miles an hour, or a guy like Aaron Donald, you, you know what I mean? They're that's just not reality, especially at this young. What, what do you think about that and, and the, the that edge position right now, CJ?
2: Yeah, no, it's been interesting. You know, seemingly everywhere on this defense this year, we've seen rotations, we've seen guys split. You know, up to 30, 40, 50% snaps with other guys at their position so far this year. Really, only Jalen Ford in the middle is the only main consistent piece that hasn't come off the field this year. And that, you know, I think that's very encouraging, one, because you're seeing the depth in the production from your roster currently. But I also think that's something that to maintain that level of play. For 40 snaps a game at the highest level that you could possibly play without fatigue becoming an issue, you need to have guys waiting for you on the sideline to come in and continue that type of play. And so I'm encouraged, you know, because, you know, the defensive end position has not necessarily been rotated through as much as we've seen from the interior, even at safety and the cornerback as well. We've seen guys rotate, you know, drive and drive again. And a lot of time it's just been Sorel and Burke out there. Uh, playing you know much more higher snaps than what we've seen throughout the rest of the defense.
1: Hey, I gotta say this real quick: the uh, juju saying, Someone get Vogel some longhorn gear, he's got enough of this Texas Ranger stuff. I know half of you guys are Ranger fans, and the other half probably Astros fans. I agree with you. Uh, I'm working on that thanks to Jeff Clark at the uh, 40 Acres Apparel. Hopefully, he sends some C- CJ and Blake some stuff
0: uh, as well. CJ Blake wants that Ranger stuff though. <laughs> DJ, you were fine, don't listen to anybody else. The Ranger stuff is very welcomed on this program. It's the Astros crap we got to keep out of here. I
2: got the laundry going now. I'll be back to normal tomorrow, all right? I
0: promise. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. We're going to take this next question here uh, from Lizzie Hope. And Lizzie says, what about any inside guys? We have a ton of edge already, but Sadir Mitchell and Vernon Broughton can't do it alone. And then uh, yeah. they add Sorrell, Finkley, Burke, Vosick, Moore is crazy, but we need inside guys too. Don't forget about Tap in that category, uh, right? Jamon
1: Tap. he seemed to be coming on at the end of the year as well. Look, inside, you mentioned Sadir. Uh, you've mentioned Vernon Broughton. Uh, you can also look at Aaron Bryant. I think people thought he came on at the end of the year. Uh, you also have Trill Carter coming back. Uh, they're going to have to look at hopefully the the, the real potential difference maker inside. And I think everybody would agree with this based on talent is Jure Bledsoe. Okay. But how big can Jure Bledsoe get and still maintain the athleticism where he's doing the splits at 290 pounds? I mean, I don't know if y'all seen some of the stuff he can do, but it's actually, it's kind of freaky. Um, But if he could add another 10, 15 pounds over the next, uh, you know, six to nine months here, that gives Texas a true interior presence that can not only hold up against the run, but also get after the passer. Um, and so all of that combined, I think, is big uh, for the Longhorns. And uh, you're, you're right, Lizzie. I mean, it's it's part of the whole idea that Texas needs depth everywhere and better players everywhere. That's what Steve Sarkeesian and, and his group are trying to do right now.
0: All right, Bobby, it is that time. We are going to bring in our special guest today, Bob Shipley. And Bob, how are you doing this morning? Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing, coach?
3: Doing great. How are you all doing? Hey,
1: man. We wanted to get you on this morning, talk a couple of different things. State champions were crowned over the weekend. I know you've won a state championship. Knows Know how, that's, how that feels. And I also know that you watch a little game. You watch some games or two. You come away with any takeaways from this weekend state championship before we get into some recruiting stuff?
3: Desoto is real good. <laughs> <laughs> so is Duncan. So is Duncanville. But you know, Desoto's beat everybody that's been in front of them, so you know they get the crown. Wow, I don't know that I've seen a more impressive football team ever than you know Desoto. They are uh, the real deal. But you know, got to see, got to see some good guys. You know with uh Simmons in January, you know, that was good and you know the the big behemoth uh 6 foot 8 I was I was with my son yesterday uh Jackson and playing with his boys and they went to all the games and I was asking my little grandson Stone about it and he said uh they have one guy that's 8 foot 6 <laughs> <laughs> not too far I off. said well he looks like he's 8 foot 6 I think maybe 6 foot 8 but uh anyway just just a lot of talent out there and a lot of a lot of friends of mine out there coaching you know to, to try to win and I thought it was uh, I thought it was good I think uh, you know I think uh, there's there's a lot of good prospects out there and I, I think we've got some really good ones that that showed pretty well some didn't really shine that much really but uh, you know it's hard to you know you can't just make a judgment on one game. Well, your team,
1: Albany, that you said you've been tra- tracking all year, ended up winning the state championship, huh?
3: Yeah, they did. Adam Hill had a great game. I think uh, you know Denny Faith is uh, a good friend of mine, and you know I just I just love that small town football. But uh, it was really exciting to watch them win their second championship in a row, fourth overall. So uh, yeah, that was great. What do you have to say about Alito? I mean, give me a
1: break. Uh, I mean. Do they ever lose? I mean, what is it, 11 state championships or 12 yeah.
3: now? It's it's unbelievable. Tim Buchanan and I went to college together for a while at Abilene Christian before he transferred, and uh, he's uh, – you know, he started that thing from nothing. They were, they were you know, almost like Southlake was back in the day, you know, just a little farming community, you know, nobody – a second thought, you know. And uh, they built a, a perennial winner, and, you know, a lot of people <clears> – <throat> You know, accuse him of recruiting and things like that. You know, and that's when you start winning and churning championships and putting kids in college, uh, you know, people want to be a part of that, and they they start moving in. and And there's not a whole lot you can do. But I'm not saying that. You know, I, I don't I don't I don't know what the history is there. I just know that when you get a chance to play for a guy like Tim Buchanan when he started that. And um, you know, it just started steamrolling, and man, they they seem unstoppable. I mean, I, you know, for their for their division, I, I don't know. I mean, it it really is title town, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it really is. Hey, coach, we're gonna we're gonna segue here and talk a little recruiting because uh, you have a unique perspective, in my opinion. You've actually been in the room when signing day happens. Uh, there's a famous uh, photo of one Tom Herman. Uh, in uh, giving double rods to the Longhorn Network, and and Bob Shipley happens to be the one in the background. Watching yeah, it's, it's me and
3: Tom Herman in the picture. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there like a little, uh, you know, schoolboy in a one room classroom. Like, okay, I'm not saying a thing. <laughs>
1: well, hey, you know, try to tell fans if you don't mind what it's like on signing day. Give them a kind of rundown of when the coaches get to the office what all is going on behind the scenes, how harried it can be, that sort of stuff.
3: You know, uh, I, I think back when I first got into college coaching, which was 1988, it was a lot different back then uh, with everything, with the, the way you can communicate and, you know, obviously, you know, cell phones and everything that's going on now. I'm not even sure we had fax machines in the, in the late 80s, but anyway uh, – it's not as, as hairy as you think there, there still can be surprises, obviously, you know, but I think, uh, you know, the head coach has everybody that's recruiting these kids. I mean, they, they don't want any surprises. And so, I mean, it's, you know, it's like Santa's list, you know, you check it twice, you know, I mean, you just, you make sure that there's not going to be any embarrassing situations that come up. And so, uh, I don't remember being being a part of being on a staff where we had, uh, you know, any surprises. And that's 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 a bad look, you know, when that happens. And so I know, you know, Mac and and uh, Tom Herman both, you know, just did a great job of, of making sure they had all their guys secure. And but, you know, the, really, the hairiest day probably is the day before signing date, you know, it's just um, today. It's today. Yeah. Yeah. Today. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> you're still you're still tugging at these guys you know you're still trying to get a flip here and there you know maybe and uh, at the same time you're still trying to hang on to your kids and other people and especially with you know today's recruiting somebody offers you know a kid a pretty good incentive the day before the signing date I mean that's that's a possibility obviously uh, but I know that uh, sark and those guys uh, you know they're not gonna leave any stone unturned I'm sure so I would say the day before signing day is the one where you're sweating it, you know. And just once you get everything, um, you know, secured, and you you have you've talked to these guys and their parents or whatever, uh, you know, it, it's 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 usually runs pretty smooth.
1: It sounds like to me. I see, John. I'm gonna let you go next here. It sounds like to me, Bob, you're almost describing like the 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 coaches are the parents around the kids' Christmas, right? And so. All the stuff has to be wrapped on on Tuesday night before Christmas on Wednesday. That's exactly right. And then Wednesday, it's about everybody celebrating together, kind of thing.
3: Yeah, so that's yeah. that.
1: I can I can I can understand what you're getting at there. All the hay is in the barn come Wednesday, basically. Right. And so that's yeah. it. Right.
2: CJ, what do you have, buddy? Yeah, thanks this morning. This last, uh, I, I do have a question in terms of, you know, culture fit and kind of the evaluation of guys from certain programs. You know, you, you mentioned Alito and Coach Buck and the, the winning that they've had there. Obviously, you know, Coach Sark has made it a priority to go find winners. You know, they, they had 12 guys in the 2023 cycle that won or played in a state championship in high school. In the evaluation process, how important is it, for, you know, from your side of things to find guys that have that sort of mentality coming into the program that they experienced in high school?
3: Yeah. I think that's that's a that's a good question. It's a fair question, you know, that uh you look at I I think that I think it depends on where you are with the development of your program. When when okay. you know, if you're if you're at a place and you've got a brand new head coach, I'm not going to mention any names, they're losing a lot of recruits and, you know, you you can't be as picky, you know, when when you're going in and trying to get guys with whatever, great character, good grades, uh Whatever it is that you're wanting to find, you can't be as picky. You know, you got to go get dogs, you know, just the best guys you can to help you turn this thing around. And you just hope and pray your coaches can keep them corralled and you don't get embarrassed and they stay eligible and all that stuff. When you get to the point where, you know, Sark is now and this staff is now, now you can, now you can, you know, you can cherry pick them a little bit, you know, and I don't know. I, I've, I've thought about that and I've seen guys come in from winning programs and you say, well, they, you know, they expect to win, they know how to work to win and all that stuff. But, uh, I think that's important. I don't think it's, I think there's certainly exceptions. I want guys that, as they say, they're dogs. I mean, they're like, they got a chip on the shoulder. And I remember <clears throat> visiting with Mac when, when Jordan was there and, uh, you know, 2007 or eight and, uh, and Colt, Quan Cosby, and those guys, and he said, you look look at all these guys, and he pointed out about, you know, seven or eight guys, and he said, those guys all came from smaller schools, when they came in here, he said, they had a tremendous chip on their shoulder, they had something to prove, and so every day was a Super Bowl for them, every day in practice, and it elevated the play of everybody around them, because, you know, th- they were obviously good athletes, but, you know, they, they still had have- had something they felt like they had to prove because they came from a smaller school maybe they didn't win championships maybe you know whatever uh, so you know I think there's there's a couple of different things you look at you know character obviously is is uh you know uh, outside of athletic ability is is very very important and that's another thing you've seen uh you know recently in the Texas program you hadn't seen a lot of embarrassing you know, things come up, you know, about guys. And I, I say that, knock <laughs> on wood. Um, but, you know, they, they've done a great job of, of getting good kids in there, kids that buy in, and kids that police each other and take care of the locker room and keep each other in line. Hey, man, we got something special going here. Don't screw it up, you know. And uh, so so I think, I, I think winning is very important, having a winning attitude. But if you can do your research and find these guys that just refuse to be beat, they refuse to lose a sprint, you know, when you're running sprints after practice, you know, just when you're doing competition drills, they refuse to lose. Those are the guys that I want, you know, not necessarily, they may not have been blessed with, you know, a great team or, or whatever, but, but they're guys that love to compete and they love to win. And, and those are the guys that, that I would say even more importantly than those are coming from winning programs because guys that come from Alito, um, our place like Alito, I'm not saying Alito, but you know, how do they handle adversity? I mean, how many times has Alito been behind at halftime? You know, Uh, I I don't know. I haven't looked at that, but how do they handle adversity? You know, you don't know how they handle it, but these guys that have a chip on their shoulder, they, they, they've come from maybe the other side of the tracks, so to speak, uh, from the school they were at or whatever, but they, they, they know what it's like to overcome adversity. And their plan every day is to win, to win, to prove I belong here. I think that's probably the most important thing for me.
1: Yeah, it's great. That's a great answer because you know what it says? It speaks to, it speaks to, you're always trying to get better. Yeah. You're always trying to develop yourself in and of just by yourself and trying to keep improving. Uh, And that leads me to development at Texas, a coach, I, One of the things you and I talked about off air whenever you first decided to help do some stuff here on on Texas football is you were just excited about the development of the players over a time frame like that. That as a head coach, you can only deal with the guys that you got. You can't be worrying about the guys you don't got. So you have to develop your own team. And that's one of the things you thought that Coach Sarkeesian and his group had done such a nice job of. Speak a little bit to that uh, for folks to
3: hear that. Well, I think uh, it, it's those guys that <clears throat> that aren't always – I like the strength and conditioning guys, for example. That's, that's where development starts to me, you know. And I like those guys that, all, that aren't always tooting their own horns because they're too busy and they're working, you know, working guys. And so um, when, when you get a strength coach that works well with the staff – in other words, he, he's got a plan for defensive linemen. He knows exactly what these guys need. They have They have to be – they have to have great hip strength and hip flexibility. So do offensive linemen, and uh, and so they're going to work on that. They're going to develop that stuff in those guys. So it's not just in the weight room; it's it's doing explosive movement stuff whenever they're working. You know, you may do plyometrics or other things, but they're doing explosive movement stuff that are that are very similar to what the coach uh, has maybe sat down and and visited with the strength staff about what I need from my guys. You know. And, and I just think, I and I, I don't know. I mean, if I knew the exact way that they've been developing these guys, it would be worth a lot of money, but you just <laughs> look, the proof is in the pudding. You know, you, you just, you look at guys uh, and they're two or three year starters and they're just, they just never really in the past. it just seems like they just never really, you know, improved. And, and who saw T sweat doing what he did this year, you know, and, and I, I was when Travondra, Trabond, he, when he came in and was recruited, you know, I was there and I thought, oh, this guy's kind of soft. I knew his head coach and he's a great guy and we knew that. I just I just didn't know how well, you know, he would, you know, be able to parlay into, you know, first team All-American. Oh, my goodness. That's a perfect example of how this staff has developed talent because before that he was a good player. He was He wasn't a great player. And I don't know that anybody would say, You know based on what i've seen this guy's gonna you know this guy's gonna win the outland this guy's going to be first team all-american but through the development and it's not just the physical development now it's the mental development the emotional development how do you handle adversity how do you handle success how do you handle you know when you get double teamed and blown back five yards because it's going to happen you know so just the overall development physically and mentally is Is amazing what they've done. And I haven't been there. I don't know how they've done it, but it's obvious they've done it. And to me, it's probably other than just the talent that they've been able to recruit and the the leaders they've been able to recruit, that's the most impressive thing this staff has done, in my opinion.
1: I'll tell you another guy that that this comes off my – I think of when I think about development at Texas right now, Coach, is Baron Sorrell. You take him, he wasn't heavily recruited. He wasn't, he was kind of gangly as a freshman. But every time I see him, literally, if I've, if I've gone three months without seeing him, it looks like I'm seeing a new person. It's kind; of, it's probably how you feel about some of your grandkids that you don't see as often. You know what <laughs> I mean? You're like, you're like, whoa, he's grown a little bit. Yeah. Oh, she's, she's a little taller. Those kind of players are, it's a mix of what you're talking about. It's It's the guys that have this, ultimate upside like Tavondre Sweat, right? Where, yeah, he may have been soft, but you knew there was some there was some some molding to do. But there's also extracting the most out of guys like Baron Sorrell, who yeah. may never be a first-round pick, right? And don't have that kind of upside. But you know what? If he gets the most out of himself, he can play in the NFL long-term and make a lot of money doing it. And it, it just feels like that's part culture, part development, all of those things mixed together.
3: Yeah. Another piece of that puzzle that you don't talk about much is a gal named Amy Culp. And Amy Culp is in charge of the nutrition for all the athletes at the University of Texas. But she was working primarily when, with football when I was there. And, um, you know, that's, that's a pretty big deal. There's a lot of people that have a lot of different, uh, in fact, you know, A&M, you know, they, they got a little heat because of some of the maybe unorthodox things they were, you know, trying to do with their nutrition program. So it's one of those things that you never hear about until there's that lack of development, and and then somebody says, "Hey, what are we feeding these guys?" You know, or whatever. But uh, yeah, I do think it's I do think that's good. I would like to say this too, Bobby. I think it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're saying. When you have a guy like that who not highly recruited, but he 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 can also uh, everybody has raised has raised the level of expectation in that program, it seems to me. And so you're going to see guys like that more, I think, because, um, of the work that's being put in the mindset, the attitude, the talk in the showers, the talk in the locker room, the talk in in the dorm or whatever, you know, and guys like that, it just makes sense that guys like that, that buy in and they see, okay, I, I I've been watching, you know, whoever uh, just name that Trevon, sweat. I've been watching sweat and this, okay. This is how you do it. Okay. I used to think I worked hard. I used to think I ate well, I used to think I lifted, you know, smart or whatever. And, and so because that, that ceiling has been raised, then you're going to see more and more people. I think that will start separating themselves from other players across the country that it all goes under the umbrella of culture, I guess. Yeah, it's almost like some of
1: it's almost like some guys are self starters. And some guys come in and get, then get put into a culture that allows them to to start
3: becoming the best of themselves. Oh, right? oh I see now. I get it now. That's how you do it. Yeah,
1: exactly. That, that's yeah. exactly right. I mean, it's like you have some guys that are already they've been working the hardest they, they possibly can since they were 10. And you have other guys that were extremely talented that need to be put into a system where they can uh, push up like that. I, coach, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, thank you this morning. Uh, enjoy your grandkids. Enjoy your time off. Uh, you got the Thursday night. Uh, we've got Football Theory with you and Rod Babers. That's, that's right. Gonna a, that's going to be a regular series here on On Texas Football. Yeah. We appreciate you, bud. Uh, thanks yeah. for joining us today.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. See you Thursday. All right. Take care of yourself, Coach. Thanks, thank you Coach. What a good guy, man.
1: What no a doubt. Good guy. Yeah, no, I mean, no, that was insightful. Hey, sixty—he's not wrong about DeSoto. By the way, they won the—they won the largest classification in five in six A football in the state of Texas, and they won it by sixty points. Just—I mean, by sixty points—that's—that's that's unheard of. That—that's worse. I, that's worse than Georgia beat TCU last year. I mean, <laughs> this—I mean, that is just a beatdown. They also and beat Silver Duncanville Creek's pretty bad earlier bad. in the year as well. Well, yeah, but yeah. Summer Creek's not bad either. It's not like they're, you
0: know, it's just. Yeah, they, they got some bad. legit talent on that on that team. So that was an impressive win. I mean, it was over in the first quarter. We talked about it, you know, yesterday. Yeah. But the, the game was decided with, what, four minutes left in the first quarter? I mean, they, they would have needed a miracle at that point, even if DeSoto didn't score anymore with the way the defense was playing. All right, guys. So we have uh, some big news that happened uh, while we were talking to Coach Shipley here, and Texas has actually revealed their um, uniforms for the Sugar Bowl. So we are going to show it right here, Bobby. They just put out Let's this see promo if it's the icy whites. Yep. Yeah, it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there it is. It's going to be the icy whites. We had somebody ask yesterday about that.
2: That's that good storm Stormtrooper looking new Orleans. I'm
1: all for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Look at the silver patch there. College football playoff logos. That's some good stuff. That looks good. good. Stuff. All right. So that, that question's answered. Uh, Texas <laughs> is going to be uh Texas is going to be in the icy whites uh, in, uh, in new Orleans. Uh, hey, Blake, I want to say thanks to our sponsor and then we need to reset because we've had over a thousand people join yeah. us uh, since we started. We need to go back over some news. Uh, But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, I want to introduce you guys to Game Time, the app. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country. And for good reason, Uh, you can come. uh, You can get images of your seats before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And it's absolutely perfect for last minute decisions. This is great for an arena or a stadium where you don't know the feel of it, kind of like the Superdome. Uh, game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater v- events near you. I personally use game time for sporting events and concerts for both myself and my family. So if you need last minute tickets, there's really no better place. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code ONTEXAS for $20 off your first purchase. Use code ONTEXAS. Uh, for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code on Texas download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed
3: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear
2: check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7
3: in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk
2: to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old.
1: Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder
2: mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death
0: Uh, Bobby, as you said, we need to go back over everything that we talked about at the beginning of the hour. We've had a lot of people, a lot of people join us. And by the way, thank you all for tuning in. We definitely appreciate the support. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Sark said it best on a heater, <laughs> on a heater indeed. And uh, I'm going to let y'all take it away and kind of run down the three commitments that happened yesterday for the Longhorns.
2: Yeah, CJ, you go for it, buddy. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, Bobby, they've hit on all three levels. You know, they're taking care of the 2024 class. They're addressing the needs in the portal. And then they're going to jumpstart on 2025. And we saw a guy get added to each class yesterday. And, I mean, very rarely do you see three commitments in a single afternoon. But, man, it had us busy. It had us excited. And it should have a lot of fans at home watching right now thinking, Texas is moving in the right direction, and they absolutely are. And we're seeing the proof of them putting on the field, and we're seeing the results on the recruiting rankings as well. Three guys yesterday, Xavier Phil Samin in the 2024 class, Emory Winston out of Georgia going out of state to address some tight end uh, needs in the 2025 class as well. And then obviously, you know, getting the big one, coming back home, Andrew Makuba jumping into the class. uh Coming home again is, is very exciting for me, having covered him dating back to his junior year over at LBJ in Austin. So uh, it, it'll be fun to see him back in a you know the burnt orange rather than the Clemson orange this year. So uh, again, a big day for Texas football, and I don't think they're done this week. You know, Bobby, you you mentioned it earlier. Trey Moore's a guy that we're keeping a close eye on today. Ty Anthony Smith's in the fold. Well, remind us again what you can tell us about Trey Moore. Yeah, Trey Moore uh, Smith's not in the fold, so
1: we we don't want to say that you misspoke there. Trey Moore, <laughs> that'll that'll cause a, a meltdown on Texas of, you know, it'll be apoplectic, and not that I wouldn't enjoy it, but the 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 uh, reality with uh, with Trey Moore is I, I spoke and texted with his uh, marketing rep today. Um, it, there is a very good possibility that that decision is made today, whether it be Texas or Alabama. He visited Texas a week and a half ago. Visited Alabama this weekend. It's coming down to those two teams and he's trying to make a decision at first, uh, guys, it was just before Christmas is what I was told. Uh, then I got that text this morning and it could be as early as today now. Uh, so be aware of that. And that's something that we're going to be monitoring right now. Uh, also with Ty Anthony Smith, you mentioned him, the young man out of Jasper. Uh, he returned from his official visit to Texas on Sunday. I'm told he wore some AM gear to class on two, on Monday afternoon, uh, but I want to I want to say this. These guys have gear of every single team in every single different way. Who knows what it really means? We we may not hear from Ty Anthony Smith until Wednesday. One of the things that's important to note here is Smith is an early enrollee, so he's not going to be a guy that carries it to the first to the second signing day. He has to make a decision relatively quickly here, and so we'll hear from him uh, fairly soon. Uh, also, I want to mention I think it's important we mentioned Dominic McKinley. Uh, Steve Wiltfong, a guy I've known forever, uh, uh, said that it might be possible Texas were to get a commitment and a pledge, uh, including a signature from McKinley on Wednesday, kind of put that out there in the ether. Um, That is not what we're hearing, although Texas would definitely take that pledge if it were possible. Um, But it's not what we're hearing at this time. Uh, Last thing that I wanted to mention, uh, a couple of people have talked about uh, Aaron Hampton out of Dangerfield. Uh, possibly the the math not adding up for Texas was the quote. Well, it, it, I was told this morning uh, in no uncertain terms that the math does add up for Texas. They want Aaron Hampton as part of this recruiting class. And I was reminded that not only is he as possible safety, but he's also a possible wide receiver. They're going to get him on campus and see what he can do. Uh, and he reaffirmed his commitment to Texas last night and this morning as well. So, that that's the big news uh, kind of uh, pushing it around. But there's a lot of ancillary news and nuanced stuff going on right now that, frankly, it's, it's hard to keep it all in in uh, under uh, wraps, you know, because you just don't know. I could I could get a text like yesterday. I got a text. We got off of this thing at 915. I get a text at 920 that some things are afoot. That's what's happening right now in uh, Texas recruiting. Everything is uh, happening over and over.
0: That's right. And less than 24 hours away from National Signing Day. And, Bobby, we've had a lot of questions regarding uh, National Signing Day and what we are going to do right here on On Texas Football. And I know we're going to start at 7 a.m. tomorrow. I believe that's still the plan. We're going to be going all day. But tell folks about tomorrow's coverage right here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. From 7 to 11, we're going to go live. And then from 12 to 5, we're going to go live as well. Uh, CJ's going to have to get up early, guys. It's not me that's late. It's CJ. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm kidding, I really am. It was me that was late this morning a little bit. Uh, the the, uh, the reality of it is, I just think that the the faxes and the emails now, or the docu signs, however they're doing it, uh, with that, they start at seven a.m. and I do believe that University of Texas is going to start uh, knocking that out. We're going to go over each guy individually in the class as they commit. Uh, Matt, our producer from behind the scenes, has done some special special work for us to make that hopefully fun. We're also going to bring people in. Uh, talk a little Longhorn football recruiting for the day uh, and just have some fun with it. Uh, tomorrow should be a celebration. Yeah. Yes, there's work to be done, right, with Ty Anthony Smith, potentially Trey Moore. But it should be a celebration because it's right now Texas is heading. And we didn't even talk about this with the with the pledge of Phil Samir la- last night or yesterday afternoon. Texas has moved into the top five in the national team recruiting rankings. That would make the third consecutive national top five ranking for the Long. Um, that's that's and, pretty good, Bobby. Yeah, I mean, CJ, you've you've been covering you're you're interesting because you and I, you're kind of the young guy. I'm kind of the old guy, right? As far as recruiting is concerned. I'm used to this back in the Mac Brown era. Ever since then, it's been hit or miss. There's been one class here and then a, a not so great class there. One class here that's good. And you, you've now seen it a little bit differently in that you've seen Sark put together three in a row. Yeah. Um try to try to explain what's happening in that regard as far as why you think that's going in that direction and what you see from talking to the kids and uh, and other people in the on the recruiting
2: trail yeah I mean first off rec- national signing day forever was always one of my favorite days. I remember waking up in the morning uh, on Saturday getting the sports page for my dad and you know going through the top 50 in the dFw area just to see how many had penciled in their name to Texas and so I always think you know like you said, it's a day of celebration it's a day of you know, expecting or getting to see what's coming to the 40 acres. And that's always very exciting for me. Uh, And it also brings fireworks. You never know, you know, what could happen across the the country. And, you know, that's just what you sign up for. But with Texas specifically, you know, I I look back to when I really started first, you know, following recruiting, which, you know, was very briefly in my high school days uh, under Charlie Strong. And then a little bit more firmly whenever I was in college under Tom Herman, you know, you really get you know, excited, you know, like I say, you, you really get a sense of this is going to be the next playmaker wearing the burnt orange and white on the 40 acres. And, you know, it, there were ups and downs, you know, the turmoil of having to, uh, you know, sit there and think at the end of the season, you know, is this the year Texas moves on from their head coach? You know, what's going to happen with that recruiting class. And it, it's never easy, you know? And so seeing Texas now in a position that that's no longer a question, That's no longer up for debate. You have the consistency of seeing the trajectory of the program, and you know that this staff is going to be around for a long time. It's a big sigh of relief, and I think recruits are now realizing this. You look back specifically at a guy that they just landed yesterday, Bobby, Andrew Makuba, one of the biggest reasons why he did not pick Texas – was because of the uncertainty with Tom Herman and his staff. And sure enough, what do you know? Tom Herman's let go. He ends up at Clemson. That's a recruitment that Texas probably should have won out of high school had the results on the field been there. And so it's exciting. You know, recruits are taking notice, obviously, of when Texas is winning. And, you know, it's it's hard for fans across the country to not recognize the Longhorn logo when it's in the top four final four of the entire country and the college football season and recruits are certainly on top of it and they're ready to see Texas back on top because as we mentioned yesterday when Texas is winning on the field negatively recruiting Texas is impossible
0: I am I'm, and CJ I'm glad you said that because that's actually going to lead us to this super chat from Jeff Calloway he says Sarkin Co Sarkin Company's recruiting is on fire do y'all think it's more added pressure or more in a comfort level to continue this year in and year out?
1: Um, I don't know. I think it's definitely more a comfort level that he yeah. thinks he, he can get Texas to this level and keep it there. Uh, because you you see, even last year, um, Texas A&M two years ago had, you know, one of the best recruiting classes of all time, of which half of them are now gone, by the way. Um, but the, the – There was a halo effect that carried on into the next year that even carried on into this year a little bit. Okay, Sark's going to be benefit from that somewhat. Right. And so that make that will make it easier. It doesn't make it great, though, necessarily. You still have to go out and earn it. And uh, that's something that Sark's proven that he's willing to do. I mean, he's willing to fight the fight to the very
2: end on guys he wants. Uh, Go ahead, CJ. You had something to say. Yeah, I was just going to say, look at the flips that he's had late in the year. You know, Anthony Hill last year specifically, he's already in the works for a couple this year as well. You know, it it goes to say that there's a consistency here of not finding the top dogs early in the cycle, prioritizing him, and then filling in with where he needs to be uh, in terms of flips and getting guys to to really reconsider late. And I think that's very encouraging.
1: I, I do too. I mean, he's played it like a chess master, whether he meant to or not. I mean, I don't know. Kelvin Banks, Neto. DJ yep. Campbell, that you know,
2: Cam it, Williams,
1: yeah, Cam Williams. I mean, all of those guys. It just it it's, he's played it really, really, really sav. Uh, uh, I almost said savagely, uh, but that, that's kind of <laughs> how other people probably feel, actually.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent way. Yeah. Hi, guys. This next question is uh, from Bill and Bill Bowden, and he says, "Bobby, is Sark using roster numbers for each position as per the NFL?" If so, do you have the number he wants for each position group? Well, it rotates a little bit, Bill. He's not obviously it's not exact to, to the NFL
1: because the NFL roster is fifty three versus eighty five, but I do think that he kind of keeps that in mind as it relates to how many players he really wants to travel with. I think the travel number sixty. Does that sound right to you guys? Um, yeah. And so you can have guys kind of in the uh, in the uh, baking in the oven on the backside. You know, those freshmen or sophomores that especially the offensive line that really need more weight, you know, they just, it's just so happens. It's such a physical position. Um, But yes, he does have that in mind. Uh, It's not always perfect. um, No, no matter what you try to do, but you know, they're, they're at 17 or 18 offensive linemen now, right? When he first arrived, they were at nine.
2: Insane. Um,
1: Yeah. (laughs) And so, uh, five running backs, three to four quarterbacks. Those are the kind of typical numbers that you'll see. If you remember that also, when S- Sark first got here, he had more wide receivers on scholarship than offensive line. <laughs> yeah. That always <laughs> makes me <laughs> laugh. It, right, well, it just, roster construction matters. That's my point. And that's yeah. what he's saying. Yeah.
0: I got this next question here. is from UT Parking. And he says, any updates on dealing Evans? The latest
1: I have from that is Texas continues to recruit him. Yes. Uh, he is uh, potentially signing with A&M tomorrow. But if he does not, and it lasts until, February, or it lasts until January, Texas is expected to get an official visit from Dalen and Evans. And look, whether it's Evans, Alex Foster out of Greenville, Mississippi, or Dominic McKinley, I think Texas has at least one open spot for one of those three. How that all shakes out, I think, is TBD to be determined.
2: Yeah, and I think we'll see that in the next signing day as well. Uh, you know, Alex Foster moving to the next signing day. Uh, Dominic McKinley, like we have mentioned earlier, unlikely to sign tomorrow. Uh, and, again, D'Alan Evans, one to watch as well.
0: Guys, this next question from Jose Mata. And Jose asks, how does Texas' current recruiting momentum compared to their best ever years? That See, and that's going to go back to the Vince Young
1: class. That's how no, far away. That's Way
2: before my time. I always point yeah. to that 2018 defensive back class as one that I was very excited for. Obviously, you know, it kind of left some, you know, to desire for from that class. But the late push in the last couple of years that we've seen from Sarkeesian's classes has has blown me away because it really puts the stamp on the momentum of the class and puts an exclamation mark on, you know, just how exciting these players are uh and and the types of ca- the caliber guys that they're flipping at the end of the year puts an exclamation mark on it and it's icing on the cake
1: and you know what it does too and i'll say this it adds momentum to, yep. the, to the program have we had an uneventful signing day or a non-momentum signing day under steve sarkeesian no i mean think about that right uh best recruiting class i think was 01 was vince young and like a half dozen other guys that ended up playing seven or eight years in the nfl um and texas was just getting them all um but but I I think that from my vantage point, it's just it's fundamentally different right now because I think Texas is taking advantage now uh, and is going to be able to take advantage next year of this twenty twenty three season. I mean, they're yeah. one of four teams in the college football playoff, and they are a blue blood. It's not like TCU where TCU went to the final four, but they're not really a blue blood. They're never going to be seen as that because they just don't have the fan support. They're not the the state university of texas right texas can use this to you know kind of jump start or trampoline however you want to say it into a new era and uh that's what i'm hoping sark is able to do because it certainly seems like that's 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 the course trajectory they're currently headed
2: and now they got the sec logo firmly on their chest rather than a promise of we'll get there
1: yes yeah. Yeah, it's it's all of that pushed pushed together is just really nice I mean, it's you know, it's like I said when I, we started this. Yes, search on a heater, but at some level, you got to pinch yourself because there's, I mean, three commits in a day. One of them flips from Florida. One of them is a three-year starter at Clemson. I mean, <laughs> you know, and then you get your your you know one of your top-ranked tight ends on the board in 2025 to go along with your top-ranked quarterback in
2: 2025. I mean, it's
0: rolling. Yeah, and both out of state. What both what's that? I said in both of them out of state. Yes, absolutely. Both 25 both 25 out of state. state. Uh, KJ Lacy out of the
1: Mobile area, and and uh,
2: Amory Winston out of uh, the uh, out of Calhoun, Georgia. Bobby, if I may, real quick, how impressive is that to get an underclass or a junior in high school that both are out of state to commit to Texas? Whereas in years past, you know, guys that have out of state that have really tried to consider Texas are guys that have lasted much longer into cycles and guys that Texas has really had to fight off home, you know, schools for.
1: There's, there's two things to think about that. This is a, this is a good question. I think I'm glad you brought it up, CJ. So when Sark first got to Texas, he, he only he had to rely primarily on Texas and wherever his uh, assistants had ties to. right? Right. And what has happened in recruiting is that it the process has accelerated so much that A&M and Jimbo Fisher had ties with all these guys going back four years. I mean, they started – David Hicks is out of Katie Paytow, the defensive yeah. lineman that was one of the top players in the state last year. Well, Elijah Robinson started recruiting him as a true freshman. Yeah, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian has been playing catch-up this whole time. I mean that people people that that are I mean right now Texas only has I think two of the top ten or two of the top fifteen players in the state of Texas committed. People have to realize that Sark has been playing catch up this whole time to Jimbo because he had his guys out there. He, OU and Lincoln Riley now they've had they've had turnover too that helps LSU's had turnover so that helps. But now for the first time Sark is the senior guy among those three schools are those three chief competitors? Think about it. Elko, this past is now at AM. Brian Kelly's only in year two at LSU and Venables is just completing year two at OU. So he's gone from being the the last one to see somebody and get to know him to the first one. So what's Isn't that, that crazy to think about? Yeah. No. But so what's that going to mean in recruiting? Right. What, that that's a that's a great, great question.
0: Uh, this next question is from Steve, and Steve asks, Horns are kicking butt in recruiting as they have so many things in their favor now. How big of a deal is NIL in these recruits' decisions, and realistically, who can compete with the Longhorns?
1: I Look, it's, I, I take, what do you think, CJ? I'm going to let you take this one to start, and I'll talk a little bit more about NIL.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's, you know, any hiding in IL on the the impact that it has in college football now. I mean, when you talk to these, you know, upper ear end guys, these high four stars and and the guys that have five stars next to their name, they're aware of what's going to come to them and what's going to the opportunities presented to them in wise. And that's for a number of schools across the country. Uh, with Texas specifically, I think it's the com- the the combination of a few things. It's one, you come play for the 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 biggest. You know, state school in America basically with the, the in terms of college football brand, uh with the longhorn on your chest. You know, that's a big part of it. You can live in the city of Austin with almost infinite, you know, NIL opportunities and marketing opportunities in the, the booming city of Austin. You know, we've talked about it forever. Texas does a great job of marketing the city of Austin and living here, uh, quality of life, et cetera, et cetera. You get my point. But they're aware of it and they know that the Texas, uh, you know, the the Texas football program. And really, you know, the, the systems in place at Texas are going to take care of them. They, they know that there's, you know, uh, not many teams that can, you know, go toe-to-toe here. And I think that's a, a testament to, one, the Texas fan base, and two, you know, the collectives behind Texas uh, football program right now and just how well that they're able to, to operate as a system and machine uh, taking care of their players right now. And I think that's really important. And, you know, every school's doing it. It's all about who's you know, presenting the best package and get, making sure it's the best, you know, really the the best uh, product on the field for their players to get developed and get to the NFL where the money is, you know, significantly larger. It's a jumping off point, right? And I I think
1: that the impact NIL has on the University of Texas has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, They've been uh, successful. Uh, I think that the Texas One Fund is doing it the right way in so many ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, giving back to the community as opposed to just, going out and doing whatever i mean they're at the dell children's hospital the arboretum the, yeah that that's what you want man yeah i mean that look teach these guys how to be smart with what they're doing teach them to give back and make them give back as part of the process yep it it, it makes too much sense um at, at the same time uh it's it's uh, uh also the devotion of a lot of people not a not fan fans not unlike you guys uh you know that that are donating to texas one uh, there's also people behind the scenes that that are trying to to help texas in each and every way possible uh and it's all uh, it's all part of the process as it relates to recruiting these days um and thankfully texas like i said is one of those uniquely situated schools and and CJ talked about it it's the you know the State school in the state of Texas, no matter what A&M tries to do or what, you know, TCU or Baylor, or name it right. Texas is the state school. So they're going to be competing against the the Alabamas and the Floridas and the Ohio states that are similar, similarly situated. And sometimes or Tennessee even right now is really big on NIL. I Missouri,
2: just, what they've done this cycle.
1: Yeah. At Missouri. Yeah. Missouri has really tried to, to, to up its game. My point being is that NIL is here to stay and what it means and how it means is one of those things. One of my things is how Sark has navigated those waters, right? He's taken the ship and steered it in a way that he retained guys last year, Jordan Whittington. He attracted guys like Adonai Mitchell. Um, And then he kept, you know, he he keeps building it through the recruiting, the, the recruiting process, as well, if they keep doing that, things are going to work out really, really well for the Longhorns long term.
0: Yep. And that's he's shown a proclivity to do these things. He really has. While we're on the subject of the NIL, Ralph Neely says, How do we donate to the Texas One Fund, Bobby? Yeah, absolutely. Go to TexasOneFund.org.
1: It's texas one and they have all kinds of things. The great thing about it, if you want to get involved, you can, if you're a football fan, please do football. You know, if you're a baseball fan, you can do baseball. If you're basketball, women's volleyball. I mean, look, they just won a national championship. I mean, my hat's <laughs> off to those ladies. I mean, if you saw that, that was just a butt kicking on Sat on Sunday. Um, You can choose the sport that you give it to. While most of us here, I believe, are probably football fans, hence the name Coffee and Football and the, the title of this program. I think all of us are also Longhorn fans. And so, and you may have a particular thing that you like to donate to, et cetera. Uh, just do it however you feel. feel the, the great thing about it is they're getting the kids out in the community, right? And trying to get them to be part of the Austin area. They did something with mobile loaves and fishes uh, a, a couple months ago. They're, they're out handling food for the homeless. I mean, that, that that's what you want your guys
0: doing. I mean, that, so I, I'm, I'm uh, really big on that stuff. All right, guys, we have a uh, super chat here from UT Parking. He says, Any tight end news that stays solid to Tennessee?
1: Yeah, as of right now, it's my understanding. Again, we're waiting to hear on JT Sanders and whether or not he's going pro. We believe I was told two days ago that it's 75 25 uh, by the person that would be his future NFL representation, most likely, um, that he would likely be going. But he's number two, he's probably the number two tight end in the draft. But I mean, he likes it at Texas. Adonai Mitchell similarly likes it at Texas. Uh, Alfred Collins likes it at Texas. But all three of those guys, I look, I mean, I, I don't think Texas should be relying on the fact that they're coming back. But Texas may not be able to go out and get someone like Holden Stays who wants to play immediately without knowing that JT Sanders is gone, for sure. Once they know JT Sanders is gone, then Holden Stays becomes a different category. Jordan Jolly, the tight end out of UConn. Uh, potentially comes a different category for Texas as well.
0: All right, this next question is about one of Texas' recent commits, Matthew Golden, the transfer out of Houston. And Douglas asked, hey, Bobby, how excited are you about Golden? I watched film on him, and he is Xavier Worthy 2.0. Dude has serious hands with a great catch radius. He could be as good, if not better, once UT coaches him up. Y'all's thoughts? You know,
1: I I lean on something that Rod Babers has been talking about with him uh, personally. Rod has has been saying, this is the guy you want to get in space. Give him four to five yards, any which way you can. And all of a sudden, his kick return ability, we talked about it, right? I I guess I should preface all of this with it. Two of nine kickoffs this year. He only returned nine kickoffs all year. Two of them went for touchdowns. And that doesn't include the one he took about what forty yards, forty-five yards against Texas, mm-hmm. okay, or fifty, whatever that return was. So the the idea for Rod is he's a little bit different in in Xavier, and that Xavier has that that elite acceleration. This guy may be actually a more subtle, gliding runner with the football that can maneuver those kind of things out of the backfield even better than say a Keelan Robinson. Yeah. Or is AJ worthy? You know, so he. Do you understand, CJ? So you talk a little bit about what I'm what I'm mentioning there because I think somebody else uh, given another viewpoint would be good.
2: Yeah, no, I I think what Rod I, I like everything that Rod has to say about Matthew Golden. and for a, a, a large part of it, I agree. I think with the shiftiness, you know, you see it on the goal line, and he scored against Texas from the three yard line uh, this year on a route where he really was just, you know, just dancing around, you know, and that's. <laughs> Yeah, I I try to put it lamely there, but I mean, that's exactly what it was, you know, a little quick whip whip route straight to the outside, and he just beats a guy based off his speed and quickness, and, you know, Xavier Worthy has been very special at Texas. I don't want to take anything away from Xavier Worthy, because I think at the end of the day, what he's done at the receiver position is amongst all-time greats for the Longhorns uh, in their program. Uh, There's no denying that. With Matthew Golden, I think there's a little more versatility with what you can do with him, you know. Again, like you said. Xavier Worthy, once he catches the ball, he can go. You know, there's it's straight line. It's get up the field and let me beat that guy to the edge, to the corner, and get upfield. I think with Golden, we've seen it, you know, so far this year, there's a little bit more of a dance around quickness to him, which extends plays whenever there's not necessarily an edge to beat. Uh, I don't always advocate for guys going laterally across the field. You know, you want to get north what? Or uh, north-south, excuse me. But with with guys like Golden and I think Jonte Cook as well, you know it, it, it's kind of the combination of get the ball in their hands and let them figure it out rather than beeline up the field and get as many yards as you can that way. So it, it's a different style of play. But I, I think if you you know kind of build your team around receivers like that, it, it just magnifies the opportunity for you to bust big plays, uh, you know that otherwise wouldn't have gone you know the distance.
0: All right, we got a super chat, guys. This one from Dax Kim. Want to thank Dax for the super chat. He says, "Any updates on Christopher Ross returning to the team, or is he in the portal?" So this is a great question, and it's very topical. Uh, Chris Ross obviously
1: was uh, let go from the team about midway through the year after he got injured. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, he was taken off the team roster. He was kicked off the team. Um, that being said, he has been trying to get back in the good graces. It, f- it seems like of the Texas coaches. Uh, he is not currently practicing with the team, so he's not back on the team. But to my knowledge, CJ, he's not in the portal either. No. So I don't know that a final, final decision has been made other than right now he's not on the team. And so, you know, if Texas allows him back on the team, et cetera, we don't know. He could easily go in the portal, though, at another time. We just don't know it at this point. CJ, your, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think, I think a final decision will come at the conclusion of the year. You know, just kind of a, you know, now that we have time to sit down and chat and really see where the two sides stand, I think that's, you know, essentially where we'll see him. Uh, it, it, it was, you know, upsetting because there was flashes against Alabama uh, very early in his career that I thought, you know, were pretty promising. So, you know, again, I hope everything's right, you know, physically. And, of course, I hope everything's right mentally on the Chris Ross side of things. And, you know, should a reunion be possible down the road, I'm all for it.
0: All right, Ted Apari1 says, should Texas have any interest in sophomore Damani Jackson, the corner from USC and five-star from uh, modern day in the portal? Um, I think it's down to, I was told it's down down to Alabama and Michigan most
1: likely. But I don't know that he's officially in the portal yet. I mean, is he officially in the portal? Should Texas have have interest? Um, He would be one of those players that might be a numbers breaker.
2: I mean, he's. Yeah, Bobby, real quick, I was going to say, I'm not sure Texas would. Look at what they have that's very young on the outside right now. And look at the production and the experience that they've already brought to the table with Malik Muhammad, Terrence Brooks. You know, these are two guys that make plays and they're still very young. I don't, I'm not sure I'd want to take them off the field. I, well,
1: here's the deal with Demon. Demon Jackson may be a first round top 10 pick. I'm not sure Muhammad or, um, Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Muhammad or Brooks or that. And so Sark, Sark has a, a distinct feel when he goes up, he, when he wants to go for somebody like that, it's gotta be a guy that's an Adonai Mitchell type that, yeah. uh, that will officially make that, uh, make that leap. And, and Matt Mock-Schnell, uh, who does a great job helping everybody out here with news and info uh, says, Damani Jackson is in the portal. I haven't heard anything though, to your point, CJ. I've heard nothing that Texas is interested there. He just might be good enough that you know everybody in the country might take him. It's like Jameer Gibbs. Right. Alabama yeah. had plenty of running backs, guys, but Jameer Gibbs goes in the in the in the portal. Everybody's going to look at Jameer Gibbs. Damani Jackson might might be that guy, uh, but we'll see. Fair. I'm, um, I'm more didn't see if Zachariah Branch goes in the portal. The the freshman yeah. No, that's a fun one. That yeah, that, uh, yeah. that was one that we all need to. If that happens, then everybody needs to turn their head because you talk about a potential replacement for Xavier Worthy. That dude has. Some, yeah, has some real jets. So.
0: Hey, Deuce wouldn't be too bad either, Bobby. No, I agree.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, hey, little little pinnox Energy wanted to, wanted you to know, Bobby just purchased the same hat for my son for Christmas. He's going to love it.
1: <laughs> like uh, you know look i've got a collection of texas hats that go uh, goes back probably 30 years 35 years i got one that i wore on the intramural fields
0: back in the day uh, so yeah love my longhorn hats <laughs> no doubt all right dean ask how do you recruit when you're preparing for a championship run lots of coffee and football
1: yeah (laughs) the the coffee part for sure um uh good question they took last week off the team worked strictly with tory beckton and his group so all last week the coaches were on the road uh the behind the scenes admin staff was busy preparing game plan and practice stuff to start uh on friday they went through uh i believe it's They'll go through the 22nd, which is this coming Friday, and then come back the, the night of the 25th. Um, and so you basically the coaches get a reprieve and get on the road for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy. It is a lot of away time. Coaching uh, is a nomadic business. And so I feel for those guys, but it's uh, it's very difficult. Hey, Blake, we need a, we need a, people that have just joined, just yep. reiterating. Andrew Makuba, Nickelback from Clemson, commits to Texas. Xavier feels to me. Uh, safety uh, from McKinney commits to Texas. Emory M- Winston, uh, tight end out of uh, Calhoun County, Georgia, 2025, all committed to Texas yesterday. Um, I want to go over one last thing. <laughs> yeah, on a heater from Steve Sargean. I want to, for people that didn't see this, can you bring up the PFF stuff and Matt Miller stuff on Makuba? Because I think mean. all the tidbits that, that we mentioned today, um uh, besides the Trey Moore news that he may be trying to make his decision today, uh, I think that this gives you a sense and gives people a sense of what Texas is getting, right? Because that's ultimately it's nice to hear about recruiting, but what is Texas getting? And basically, if if you're not able to pull that up, uh, Blake, uh, I'm. Matt, I'm to
0: give me one second, Bobby.
1: <laughs> well, Matt Miller, who's been on this show by the way, as the NFL draft guy for ESPN behind the scenes. He's saying that that uh, massive get for Texas. I know NFL scouts who had a top 100 grade on Makuba. That would put him in the top three, three and a half rounds. He's one of the t- best 10 players to hit the portal, in my opinion. So yeah. keep that in mind. That's number one. Number two, Blake, don't forget about this. Yeah, from Pro Football Focus, which tracks every snap of every player, new Texas DB Andrew Makuba this season, 344 coverage
2: snaps zero tds allowed and Not what's bad. interesting about that stat bobby is those snaps aren't all coming from the same position and i, I want to reiterate where those snaps are if, if i have some time it's just 620 snaps total last year for clemson he had 96 of them in the box so you know kind of a, a an over a linebacker if you will in the uh in heavy sets 158 of them right around 160 at free safety so back deep and then more than 350 as a true nickel. So he's all over the field and he's making plays everywhere. And uh, most importantly, he's not allowing touchdowns from any of them.
1: Yeah. And that's what Rod talked about, right? Was Texas wants more versatility from its DBs where mm-hmm. they can mix and match? It makes because the Rod says the nickel back in Texas's defense typically doesn't travel. That means if you motion him across, he stays short. He stays on that side of the field. So one more note
2: on Makuba. I was texting with his trainer yesterday. He basically put it out, you know, very bluntly to me. He said, just wait to see what we have in store for next year. And that's exciting because he's coming off of, you know, a couple good years already. But now that he's back home, getting, you know, back into the swing of things in the Austin area, I'm excited.
1: There, there you go.
0: Hey, Bobby, uh, going back to that news for a second about Phil's to me, Juju says that 24-7 Sports reported that he would be participating in bowl practices. Do you know if that is true? I do not know that
1: to be true. It is possible, although he is in the Under Armour All-American game.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, so
1: he, he would have to do a little bit early and then come back, and then maybe he's there the next week. Uh, maybe he's decided not to play in the Under Armour game.
2: I think so, it's very unlikely.
1: Yeah. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. There, there, you know, We talked to Parker Livingstone last week about that, and he said some guys would be practicing, and I don't know that all of those ones are. Um, and so we got to figure all of this out. I mean, we'll, we will know actually beginning by probably even Thursday, Friday, if some of those guys are practicing or into next week, we expect Christian Clark, by the way, the running back out of Arizona to be one of those guys yeah. uh, along with, um, uh, along with Parker Livingstone. Uh, Ryan Wingo was expected to be one of those guys and maybe he will for a couple days, but he's got the all American practice the unarmed all American game as well. So, or he could be in the army game. I can't remember which, but my point being, or not the army game, the Adidas game. My point being, that's there's a lot of stuff going on right now as far as those incoming freshmen. We don't have it all sorted out. I'm not sure Texas even has it all sorted out <laughs> quite yet because I mean, they still got to get great. You got to remember, these guys still have to officially um, get their diplomas from their high school. So, if the diploma, so if the, the administrator at some high school is out on vacation, that could delay it again, a day, it delay it a weekend. And that could be all the time they have. So that's what I mean when it's not that Texas doesn't have their ducks in a row. They do. The players have their ducks in a row, but you can't manufacture a diploma. You know, you yeah. eh, this will happen. You know? <laughs>
0: All right, y'all. We're going to do one last question here. This one from Zane Petty. He says, call your shot. Where does Texas finish after February in recruiting? I'll start by saying, I think number four. CJ will let you go next. I like three. I think they
2: make that jump. You know, I think Ohio was Ohio State and Alabama up at the top. Georgia's in that mix. Yep. Georgia's number one, I think. Georgia's up at the top. I don't think anybody's catching them. Uh, But I do think Texas is a in a position to make the jump again into that top three. And again, just being in that top five for three straight years is very, very promising. I'm going to hedge. I'll say, I'll say (laughs) 3.5. I
1: I like CJ's optimism and I understand Blake going to at four uh, because I, I, I will add this. I don't know all of what's going on at in recruiting at those other schools and how much they, they have left, how much meat they have left on the bone. But I do feel like it'll be a top five class, which is, you know, that's that's where you want to be, man. You want to you want to you want to be in that top group at, at all at all uh, opportunities.
0: all <laughs> man Bobby, there's no point five.
1: <laughs> there all is right. in my world.
0: There is in my world. <laughs>
1: that's right.
0: All right. Bobby, tell folks what they can expect later today right here on on Texas football.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, CJ and I are going to do a recruiting breakdown that we have the live stream tonight. Uh, obviously, at 7 o'clock, Rod Babers, uh, Aaron Hogan, CJ Vogel will be joining you guys. Uh, also, if there are any commitments or any news that breaks and we feel like we either need to go live or create a separate video, we will absolutely do it for you guys here on Texas football. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, thank you uh, for visiting with us each and every morning. It's a, it's a blessing to me uh, around the holidays in particular. Uh, just really great and appreciate you guys uh, very, very much.
0: That's right. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. A huge number of y'all tuned in today, so we definitely appreciate that. Thank you for the super chats. I uh, also want to thank Game Time for sponsoring today's show, Bob Shipley, for coming on and talking a little football with us. A great guest, as always. Don't forget, tomorrow he will be on with Rod Babers on uh, – I'm sorry, Thursday he will be on with Rod Babers with Football uh, Theory. So be sure to check that out as well. And we will be back tomorrow morning. Don't forget, we're going to start at 7 a.m., so an hour early. We'll have you covered around the clock on National Signing Day. Going to be a great day for the Longhorns, no doubt about that. And for Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow. I morning. got one.
1: I got one thing oh, more. Oh, oh.